Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7, and this is The Blueprint. I've spent my life helping Olympic gold medalists, NFL, and NCAA athletes be the best at their craft. Now I'm taking that experience and translating it into your life. This podcast is for busy professionals and household CEOs who care deeply about their family, career, and their health. There's an ocean of content to wade through, but I do the heavy lifting for you and distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy life style and goals. Today, I'm joined by Tara Youngblood, the co-founder and CEO of Chili Sleep, a company that creates award-winning technologies and apps that change the way the world sleeps. In this episode, we discuss how temperature is a sleep signal that we can manipulate to dramatically improve sleep quality. As many of you know, my doctoral work was in sleep, and I've admired the Chili Sleep company from afar for many years. And I was thrilled when they agreed to come onto the show to talk about the actionable science of temperature regulation for sleep enhancement. So now, now, it's time to lean in and learn from the best. Tara, thank you so much for joining me today. We are talking about my absolute favorite subject, which is sleep. And uh, your company does some amazing things around sleep, which we're going to get into. But I really want to focus today on how temperature impacts sleep. Would you mind filling us in a little bit on that? Yeah, so it turns out it's really magical. Sleep is really old and, and not old in a bad way, but old in the sense that evolutionary wise, even the most simplest beings have on off switches. And so sleep is located mostly in the brainstem or the hypothalamus of your brain. So what happens is environmental cues are really a way for telling us when we should sleep or not sleep. There's actually something called a sleep switch, which Clifford Sapier out of Harvard found in 2003. Um, so it's and it is triggered by a change of temperature, uh, which is just magical when you don't sleep well. You're like, there's a switch. You just turn it on. Like, I would love to know how to do that. Um, so there is some, some parts that we've sabotaged in our world today of like constant ambient temperatures, not being outside. We're not sleeping outside as much. So um, temperature has become less of a role, I think, for most of us. We, don't, we kind of forget about it. We play with light and blue light blocking glasses. But temperature has a really powerful impact on how we can sleep and when we sleep and what types of sleep we get. So if you have a cooler first half of the night, for example, you get more deep sleep. And if you have a warmer second half of the night, you get more REM sleep. So it actually different temperatures and different types of changing temperature would cue different kinds of sleep altogether. So it's really phenomenal on how it can manipulate that brain conversation and say, hey, it's time to fall asleep. It's time to get deep sleep. It's time to get REM sleep. And it's also time to wake up and turn off sleep because just like we turned it on, we can turn it off using temperature too. Super interesting because from my understanding, like the super chiasmatic nucleus is what sends out this global signal, which is temperature. And then we have a temperature minimum and then our body temperature begins to rise during the day. So by cooling ourselves at night, would that usher us more quickly into sleep? Does that increase or decrease latency periods? Yeah. So it's, it's a little bit complex because it's a little bit how each of us respond. Um, and it's important to remember we're a spectrum of humans. And so some people will actually just by warming their feet, um, that actually triggers a change of body temperature. And by warming your feet, you're actually cycling through your core body temperature and it actually causes a drop of core body temperature and, and facilitates falling asleep. 
And then, you know, you also will hear of biohackers, actually, um, Terry Walls with MS, again, because there's a disease state that makes it harder for her to fall asleep. Um, she may spend as much as 20 minutes in an ice bath, so extreme cold, um, but that will deliver amazing deep sleep. Um, most of us fit in the middle. So if you can facilitate uh, slightly cooler temperatures once you've fallen asleep, that's a guarantee. Um, I like to warm up to fall asleep still. So I'm, I'm actually going to do that little blip you'll see in some, you know, that circadian rhythm. I'm going to go up a little bit before I go back down. Um, and then Todd, my husband and co-founder, um, he'd really like to sleep on a bed of ice, I think. Um, and so like for him, it is absolutely more in that cold side. So it's a little bit of a complex answer. The difference really is thinking about what's a change of temperature that feels good when it talk, when you're talking about latency, it still ties to when you were a little kid, think of sleep rituals and tucking in and feeling safe. Um, some people that's where weighted blankets can come in, but all of those things think about what would it feel amazing to do to go to sleep. And most people will know they'll say, yes, I actually, I like to warm up or no, I want to be cooled down or I want fresh air. I go for a walk first. Most people have an intuitive sense if they think about it and they'll get to what that right temperature change is for them. So I'm just curious, since you guys have incredible depth of understanding in this area, you've been tracking and monitoring sleep for a number of years now. I know a lot of people have a, an intuitive sense, but sleep is an epidemic. Like lack of sleep is an epidemic in our country. Why do you think that is? I do think because we've we've taken it for granted. So when you think of, you know, traditional medical practitioners were not spending a lot of time talking about sleep until very, you know, relatively recently, certainly in the 90s and early 2000s, it was sort of like, you know, if you had sleep problems, you got slid across an ambient or something like that and said, you know, good enough, here you go, check the box. Um, we didn't really spend a lot of time on it compared to diet and fitness. We look at overall, overall studies and time spent in that space, optimizing it. It's, it's just a little baby in comparison to the other wellness things that we like to measure or talk about. And so I think that's, uh, that's a little bit of a part of it and sleep. And, and that's really the power of CBTI, which is cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. When you start to look at what are your bad thoughts, which sounds very simplistic, but a lot of us will sabotage sleep, especially if we don't do it very well. We don't respect it. It takes away from our life. It's really the biggest buzzkill. You talk about hygiene. You don't go out partying. You're not supposed to drink late. You're not supposed to eat late. Everything that is like fun to do in life is, is kind of counter sleep. Um, and so it's kind of just gets stuck in a closet and says, okay, whatever, I'll get by with as little as possible. Entrepreneurs have said, you know, almost a badge of honor of like, I only sleep four hours because I'm working so hard that I don't need sleep anymore. And then you get super stressed out and they get sick. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's a culture that hasn't loved sleep in a long time. And I think the journey to fall in love with sleep and to figure out how it works in your life, it doesn't have to be eight hours. It doesn't have to be 10 to six. Um, every one of us has a specific sleep recipe that will work with our lives. I do believe that we work with shift workers and professional athletes that fly all over the country. You can get really great sleep. It's about understanding the basics of what you need to do and what are the levers that are going to be working for you back to that spectrum of temperature. Once you understand what's the best for you within a few questions, like I said, like, was it feel good to fall asleep to? Very quickly, you can get to solving the biggest problems of sleep. And then the nuances are fixed in those little tweaks one level down from that. 
High performance isn't just reserved for elite athletes or billionaires with unlimited resources. In my free newsletter adaptation, I provide you with curated information and resources to improve your health, well-being, and performance. I cover topics like sleep, stress, exercise, nutrition, and mental performance. You can sign up today for this free newsletter at www.ericcorum.com. Now, back to the show. So why is it that like maybe ambient temperature isn't the big solution, but rather like cooling yourself with skin to skin contact, like with your technology uses? Yeah. You know, and back to temperature has been really hard to study specifically for sleep. Um, I have this funny picture of someone, you know, when you talk about PSG and the standard of being in a sleep lab, it's like um, 63 little sensors all over your body. You lay flat. And when they were going to test your temperature, you're basically like in an astronaut suit on top of that, where they're trying to control your temperature around you. So arguably that didn't deliver really great sleep results. I, again, not optimal for studying sleep that way. But when you talk about that 60 to 68 ambient, a lot of those studies and how long you should sleep come from those sleep labs environments, um, testing young men who obviously, uh, sleep better than the average population. And so back to our sleep knowledge on sleep quality and different demographics is, is pretty low. And so what happens with ambient temperature when they get to the 60, 68, yes, if you have 60, 68, but that's air and not water, it's not contact. And if you think about, you know, your fan spinning, that might reduce your temperature slightly. We wear moisture wicking t-shirts all the time time and that's not going to make us cold. It doesn't stop us from sweating. It's just supposed to allow and facilitate that in a passive way better. And so ambient temperature is kind of like that. The cooler it is, it will help facilitate that better. But our core body temperature is trying to drop two degrees. And when we think of two degrees core body temperature, that's pretty significant. Actually, when you run a fever, two degrees feels pretty crappy and feels pretty different from our where we want to be. And so when our body is trying to get that much cooler in order to facilitate healing and cellular regeneration and all the great things that happen during sleep. Uh, we want to be cooler and 68 degrees outside of under, you know, the covers have protected you. They've insulated you. Your bed is often made of foam and foam is absorbing the heat and reflecting it back to you. So you're basically made yourself a nice little oven and your head sticks out a little bit in that 68 degrees ambient temperature. And that's not enough to actually facilitate that two degrees of core body temperature difference. So that's why a lot of people will flip their pillows and like, I flip my pillow all the time, which our head is busy trying to expel all the heat from our body and our core to try to get to that. And we're sticking legs out. People are flipping covers off. All of those are still trying to get cooler, but the 68 degrees ambient temperature is kind of like putting your hands in an oven. You can put your hands in 400 degree oven for a second, you know, and, and, and you're not going to get burned, but you wouldn't do that in boiling water and expect the same kind of results. And so even though the boiling water isn't the same temperature as your oven, you're going to have a very different result as soon as you have water, the specific heat capacity from a science perspective of water is significantly different than air. And so it has the ability to pull heat off of you rather than just that passive helping to facilitate sweating more. Wow. That is a phenomenal answer. Like I've had a lot of conversations with folks about sleep and my doctoral work was in sleep. And this is probably the best discussion I've had about like the bed itself 
And, and I, you know, your technology, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, helps solve for this problem. But like people don't think about their sheets very much, like how breathable are your sheets? And so it makes sense. Like you said, you made yourself a nice little oven. And then you wonder why, you know, outside of overhydrating before you go to bed, why there's perturbations in waking up or maybe you got noise. You know, it's really fascinating to me. One of my favorite things about reading sleep literature is, and I'm sure you would agree, is almost every single time in that first paragraph, it says what? Like sleep is an essential biological function that is yet to be fully elucidated. And mm-hmm. it's because we are learning so many things even now about sleep architecture, the need for sleep, why we sleep. Do you think that we have a huge dysregulation kind of going back to what you said earlier, because we're indoors all the time now? Yeah, I do feel like, you know, all the things we did to make ourselves more comfortable are actually hurting us. You know, you can talk about cold therapy and and how it's good for us to cycle through temperature just from a temperature perspective. But those cues, you look at your circadian rhythm and it almost matches what happens during the day. Most of us, uh, you know, historically would have come into the shade and we would have cooled off a little bit uh, during the middle of the day. And our body core temperature is matching what should happen outside. It means we entrained the environment over thousands of years of being mostly outside. And then in the last 50 years, our indoors has become regulated. Um, Arguably, we're even our air quality, everything about it. Our beds are kind of artificial materials. They're not natural materials that breathe as well. Your foams feel amazing from a pressure perspective, but those little bubbles that make it feel soft and squishy, they actually absorb heat. And then about four hours in between three and four hours, they'll start reflecting it back back to you, back to that oven state. And so we've kind of created this comfortable environment, but our bodies aren't really designed to be comfortable all the time. They're designed to work the best when we actually create intervals of on and off and intervals of comfortable and uncomfortable, cool and heat, hot, light and dark. Our body responds to those extreme stimuli that create catalysts for Every single function in our body is created by some kind of catalyst. And those catalysts are often for the core parts of old things like sleep. They're going to be triggered by environmental triggers because when we were a much simpler organism, light, dark, warm, hot, those are the things that said it's time to do something different. And that's how we learned how to respond to our environment and create those chemical changes inside of us, like releasing melatonin. This is phenomenal. This is probably the best. Like I said, I can't, I, I'm like smiling on the inside out here. This is such a wonderful discussion. You're probably going to want to go back if you're listening to this and go listen to this again, because you dropped about four or five massive knowledge bombs here that people need to understand. Like being comfortable isn't great all the time. It doesn't lead to adaptive change. And we talk about adaptability on here. You need the right dose amount of stress with the right amount of rest. But if you don't stress your system, you can't adapt. And so it only makes sense that if we're not providing any type of allostatic load to the body that we're not going to be adapting. And it's almost going to make us less comfortable in a way, if that makes any sense. So this was phenomenal. Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. I'm excited to come back and talk to you again later about your technology. If you'd like to support the show, would you please leave us a comment and review in the Apple podcast app as this will help us reach more people. And if you'd like, also please consider sharing the podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening and I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all of our other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home online at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.